there. The human ego is essentially the sense of yourself being a separate self. When you learn to call yourself by your name, you learn that you are an it or a thing. And the minute that you conceptualize of yourself as an it or a thing, you become different from every other it and every other thing in the universe. When you're born, you do not have a solid ego yet because you do not have this sense of yourself as a separate self. As we grow, we begin to identify with things. Whenever we associate something with ourself, we identify with it. It becomes part of us. We make it the same as us. This is what attachment really is. It's identification. And if that thing we identify with is ever threatened, we experience it as a threat to our own survival. If you want to know more about disidentification, and identification, watch my video on YouTube titled Disidentification, the Practice of Non-Attachment. I would love to be able to tell you that your ego is made up of authentic self-initiated associations, but this isn't the case. The majority of your ego is in fact made up from associations that are initiated by other people. In other words, other people become the mirror through which we learn to identify ourselves as who we think we are. This means if someone in your childhood begins to associate you with artistic ability, then you begin to perceive yourself as an artist. You identify with being an artist, and that becomes part of your ego. This means if someone in your childhood associates you with darkness or badness, then you begin to perceive yourself in that way. You identify with being dark or bad, and this becomes part of your own ego. Part of why identity becomes so confusing for us is that so many people associate us with different things, and many of those things contradictory. As you can probably tell without me spelling it out for you, it's a real crapshoot whether you're going to end up with somebody who is going to associate you with things that are an authentic thing to associate you with, or whether they are just going to associate you with whatever they want to associate you with. <laughs> Mostly total projections of themselves. Most people are not conscious. When you're dealing with a person who is not conscious, they don't really see children as authentic expressions with a unique purpose, with unique desires. More so, they think of children kind of like animated dolls. Essentially, believe in the child as whoever they want the child to be. They associate the child with whatever they decide they want the child to be associated with. And if the child ever begins to act in a way that defies who they want them to be, they feel personally threatened and begin to associate the child with negative traits. Either way, the child takes on any associations that the parent decides to make with that child. That child's identity and life then become either nothing but an exact replica of what the parents decided for them, or a perpetual attempt to try to figure out who they really are despite their parents. We live in an emotional dark age. People do not know how to emotionally relate, and people have not developed intimacy. For those of you who don't understand what intimacy is already, it's essentially being able to see into someone, feel into someone, listen to someone, and fully understand them. It is to get into their internal world. Now, ideally, parents would have a high degree of intimacy with their children. 
They would see into their children. They would feel into their children. They would listen to them. They would understand their children. And so those parents would be an accurate mirror of what is authentically part of that child. For example, when the truth of a child is, I really love to dance, the parent would acknowledge and validate that for the child and thus strengthen the child's sense of self by doing so. The association the child forms between himself and dance would be authentic because it came from the child first and was then mirrored by the parent. Positive mirroring is essentially the process of reflecting back to somebody anything that is true about them that they express verbally or non-verbally. Essentially, we want to let them know that we hear them, see them, feel them, and understand them. Positive mirroring is to make their sense of how they're feeling and thinking and who they are valid. An example of positive mirroring is that a child who's going to a new school feels afraid and may go silent or start whining or act resistant to everything. A parent who positively mirrors would come down to the child's level, feel into the child, and try to understand the child enough to figure out what the problem is and then mirror their reality by saying something like, I know that you must feel really afraid about going to a new school, and because you're afraid you may not want to go to school, and anyone who's afraid of going to a new school would feel that way. It's okay to be afraid. And then potentially the parent could help the child brainstorm ways to feel better about going to a new school. But let's face it, positive mirroring is not exactly a forte in today's day and age when it comes to parents and children, so most likely that's not going to be the reaction. The most common reaction would be something like, what are you crying for? Every kid has to go to school. You're lucky you even get to go to school because there are kids across the world that don't even get that. <laughs> oh my God. That's an example of a negative mirror. Not only did it not mirror what was authentically inside the child, instead what it mirrored was the perception that the parent had of the child, which is that you're wrong. So the child comes to believe that there's something wrong with the way that they feel. More than that, that they have to distrust themselves. Now, more than that, they develop an identity around being wrong or being bad. This is the beginning of shame. So this turns into an adult that not only has a baseline of shame for their personality structure, this is also an adult that cannot self-reference. The parent has taught them they can't trust the way they feel, they can't trust their own sense of reality, and so they have to outsource their reality to other people. Obviously, if you begin to develop awareness enough to figure out who you really are, in other words, what you really associate with, that's going to fly directly in the face of who your parents think you are or wanted you to be, what they associate you with. As a result, they're going to reject you. They reject you because they reject what you're associated with, which is the very thing you're identified with. And like I said, when you're identified, any rejection of something you're identified with comes across as a personal rejection. As a result, you cannot feel loved by them. For example, if a boy grows up to realize that he's gay and the parents do not want him to be gay, they will reject gayness and therefore reject their son because their son is identified with being gay. So we can say that this son cannot be loved for who he is because the people who do not love him for who he is is his parents. He will develop a belief that no one can love him for who he is. Essentially, with most parents, the child has to develop attributes that the parent will positively mirror in order to get any love. So their identity is a perfect reflection of their parent's agenda. So if you're interested in figuring out how to develop intimacy and how to positively mirror, I suggest you watch two of my YouTube videos. The first is the emotional wake-up call, and the second is how to connect with someone. 
But what if I told you that the reason that we can't feel love for who we are actually goes even deeper than that? We don't live in a world where most people understand that they can have intimacy with their child. As a result, the child is not actually acknowledged for being any certain way. They are only acknowledged when they are doing something, especially when they are doing something that benefits the parent. A parent and child normally cannot be together. They have to be doing something together. And then the mirroring in that scenario, or when a child is acknowledged, is when they are doing that thing. So here's an example. Let's say that you're playing a game of catch, and the child throws a ball, and the parent goes, Wow, that was amazing that you threw that ball. The child now starts to identify with the action, the doing, which is throwing the ball. So I'm going to sum this up in a lovely little nutshell. It's basically me answering your question to why we can't feel love for who we are in one paragraph. Because most parents only mirror a child when they are doing something, and thus only associate a child with what they do, we only associate ourselves with what we do. Our entire identity becomes about what we do. That becomes a sense of who we are. As a result, it isn't even that we believe we are what we do. It is that we don't feel like we exist separate from what we do. In an extreme case, something like extreme childhood neglect, what we see is that when a child gets no mirroring, they have no sense of self. Now, that's an extreme example. However, if a child grows up under a parent who does not acknowledge them for anything other than what they do, this child has no sense of self, no sense of identity, separate from what they do. They've had no mirroring. Obviously, we can't be loved for who we are instead of what we do if who we are does not exist. How can you love something that doesn't exist? If we... Now, try this for yourself right now, just to see whether you got this kind of mirroring in childhood. And it's pretty easy. Just think of who you are, separate of what you do. Most of you are going to identify yourself by virtue of what? I am a spiritual teacher. That's a doing, right? <laughs> so what happens if you've been raised in an environment where all that's mirrored is what you do is that when you try to think about who you are separate of what you do, you draw a big blank space. It's kind of like, this is the real reason we can't feel love for who we are, because who we are does not even exist, because we have an identity only by virtue of what we do. So now you know why it is that you can't feel loved for who you are. Plain and simply, it's because your entire identity, that which we call the ego, is formed completely out of the things that made you exist for your parents. Have a good week.